0: Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Tuesday, early evening. I've crossed the country since we last spoke. Joining me from across the street. I'm at my hotel, but across the street in the TD Garden is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Tim's done a lot of these podcasts from Boston, but this is the first time he's done it from the arena, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, it's first time for everything.
0: And joining us from Dallas, Texas, it's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. So um, we had a great moment uh, in the press conferences today uh, around the practices on the off day before uh, today being uh, Tuesday. You guys are here this uh, Wednesday, day of Game Three. Um, Clay Thompson was uh, talking about you know nobody wants to use the word slump, but he hasn't exactly shot the heck out of the ball. Um, the first two games, he was four of 19 in game two. And I thought this was a, this is a moment that you don't, a lot of times, especially in the, in the heart of these series, um, where there's a lot of pressure. Um, I don't think you get a, a lot of, uh, you know, moments of authenticity. They're a little bit far, few and far between, because everybody's being cagey or, or, you know, um, just as tense, but we had a great clay moment. Um he 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 mentioned that to try to get himself in a better frame of mind, to try to you know get himself you know out of this little slump. He's been googling himself and his YouTube highlights from the past, and Olm Young was so, from our staff, like heard him say that, and he sort of followed up with it, and he's like, "Yeah, I probably watched some yesterday," <laughs> as if he was searching, like, "What was the last time I watched my highlights?" Uh, probably yesterday as if he doesn't know exactly (laughs) what he was doing. Like his search
2: history of his YouTube highlights isn't, you know, you don't have to scroll to get through it right now.
0: We didn't even have to guess because he told us what he searches for. What do you think he searches for McMahon?
2: I mean, I'm sure game six, game six clay. Yeah. Right there. Duh. Like if you're searching clay Thompson highlights, why wouldn't you just, well, if
0: you're searching clay Thompson highlights, he's saying he's clay. Thompson is searching game six clay.
2: Well, and if he wants to, if he wants something fresh, he can just search for game five of the West finals when he closed the Mavs out, but it, it didn't look like that much before that game. Hasn't looked like it yet. This series,
0: he did mention that he looked those highlights up too, McMahon like, yeah, as if you were them. sitting up on the stage with clay. You could have helped him right through that interview. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Clay was he, right here.
2: I'm a That's regular right. Raymond Ritter.
0: Yes. For the, for those of who are not watching, uh, Bontemps is sitting at the, uh, Uh, at the podium
1: at the war i'm at the warriors podium
0: it's a podium podcast uh, right in
2: front of that uh that backdrop that's going to be wendy's kitchen wallpaper after this series
0: i love the color of that backdrop it's glorious look look at those logos i don't care about the logo i like the color Ah, that final
2: script is pretty
1: it's all good
0: um so anyway uh Bontemps, were you you were were you in there when clay was talking about it, or you were off with the Celtics
1: I was I was talking to Warriors people uh, out on the court was not uh okay. was not watching clay but I will say having been in the building for clay's, clay's game six game in 2016 against the thunder um mm-hmm. as McMahon was too I'm pretty yeah, sure I was. um I would say that if I was trying to feel good about myself and I was Clay Thompson I would pull up game six in 2016 I would watch it I'd probably watch it once a day, even if I was feeling good. Um, That was one of the all-time great games. So certainly after the way he's played these first couple, if it helps him get get going in game three, then there you go. If if I had a game like that, there would be at least one TV in my house that was just (laughs) kind of like a never-ending loop. (laughs) I was going to say, at least one is the right operative word there. (laughs) Knowing you would be on every every, uh, screen in your house on a permanent loop, for sure, and understandably so.
0: Not that I think that Clay is the story of these finals so far. I just thought it was um, an interesting moment here as we get ready. Because at some point, guys, we're going to have a fourth quarter that's nip and tuck, I think. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Let's hope so. Well, you kind of yeah. did in game one, and then the Celtics just keep kept on, you know, it went from a comeback to putting them away.
0: Well, yeah, but it, it wasn't a competitive fourth quarter. It was yeah, completely it was, one-sided. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that's, that I've seen, you know, and this kind of makes me have memories of the last Eastern conference finals that we covered Bontemps. Yeah. A couple of games in the Eastern conference finals, people were like, Oh, the, the heat have only won three quarters, but they're ahead two one in the series. I don't, I don't care about any of that. People are trying to make it seem like, um, that the warriors have really blown the doors off of the Celtics, but they, the Celtics won one quarter. And so it's one, one. I just frankly disagree with that. Um, I Wait, I don't the know. The Celtics people are... led at
2: halftime in Game One.
0: Thank you, McMahon. Like I'm not so sure. How did like, they only went...
2: won one quarter?
0: Well, I did... basically they're like if it hadn't been for the fourth quarter, of Game One, this would be Warriors by a thousand. Oh. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys watched the first half of the both games because the first half of Game One, the Celtics were up two. The first half of Game Two, the Warriors were up two. The fourth quarter of game one, the the Celtics won big. The fourth quarter of game two, the Warriors won big. The only difference in this series has been the dominance in the third quarter. And Bontemps has been hammering on this for weeks. We have asked the Celtics about it over and over, and we don't seem to be getting answers. Maybe they just don't want to talk about it, Bontemps. We don't seem to be getting answers. Um, but... I, for one, think that no matter what the score is at halftime tomorrow night, game three, the third quarter to me is where this series is being decided because everything else is relatively even, even if it's a subject of runs.
1: Look, I mean, I, I, like you said, I've been hammering it the whole time. You could sit, you could tell the Celtics are going to go by two things. How do they play in the third quarter and do they turn the ball over the Celtics in these playoffs when they have 15 or fewer turnovers?
0: Real quick, before you say this, before you say this stat, because I was gonna set this up. Ime Udoka came out today. Celtics had a film session this morning, and some other players mentioned it. I don't know for sure, but I gotta believe this was written on the board in their scouting reports, whatever, circled, underlined the stat that you were about to say. This is the defining battle cry of the Celtics going into game three. Go ahead, Bontemps.
1: Yeah, no, I, I talked about an NBA today yesterday. The Celtics in these playoffs, when they have 15 or fewer turnovers, they're 13 and two. When they have 16 or more, they're 0 and five. Like the, the Celtics, we've talked about it since the beginning of the Miami series. They're the most hilariously predictable team I've ever seen get to this stage of the playoffs where if they are focused and locked in, they're probably going to win. And if they're not, they're almost certainly going to lose. And like it's really that simple. They just have these stretches where they just completely turn off. You saw it in game two. They start getting tunnel vision, driving to the rim, and then they start flinging the ball around. Jalen starts getting the ball taken off of Mm them. You know, in the games, they've really had a ton of turnovers. They've given up a lot of live ball steals. They just get into these crowds and they try to force passes and they do stupid stuff. And then it turns into transition points the other way because when they don't turn the ball over, their their half-court defense is so good that teams can't score on them. So, like, it's really that simple. Can they just not, fall all over themselves in the third quarter? And can they not just roll the ball over the gym? They do those two things. I think if it's Celtics, you're feeling
0: pretty good. We should have a tracker on the broadcast tomorrow night down in the corner. Celtics turnovers. <laughs> just keep an eye on it. Because if it gets to 15, curtains. I mean, it's a it's, it's, it's small sample because it's the playoffs, but it's a pretty relevant sample, McMahon. Well, I mean, that's... Well, And,
2: and it, it does make sense. Because like Bon Tim said, they are the best Half court defensive team in the league by far, and so when are they susceptible? Or you know when are they vulnerable defensively? Well, it's when like every other team in the world in the history of the game, everybody's vulnerable when it's live ball turnovers transition the other way, and that's especially true when it's live ball turnovers transition the other way. You know Steph Curry's finding a little bit of space uh, behind the three point line, Draymond or whoever has the ball is finding him. Um, yeah, you know, nobody's good in those situations defensively. Um, but the Celtics, they do tend to get sloppy and Jalen Brown does have a tendency to try to do too much. And it's almost like, uh, I think, I think you might've mentioned this the other day, bomb temps. When Brown knocks down, when he gets in an early rhythm, when he when he'll hit his first two or three shots, or you know, if you you look up and he's four or six from the floor, it's the worst thing that happens to the Celtics sometimes. Yeah, because he is great when he is simple offensively, but he is not a he's not a creator. You know, he's not a you, you know he needs to have a dribble quota, right? If he's dribbling more than three times, it's probably time for him to to move the ball. He should well, play more like may,
1: Clay. I mean, that's
0: always been Clay's thing, right? right? I like, think he may shoot Udoka. The ball he, move it. He may Udoka, We've seen there's been a number of stories written. People talk about how he, um, you know, has imported a lot of Greg Popovich techniques and stuff. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not a new idea. I mean, I think mean, it might be not a bad idea to start the concept of the old Popovich, you know, 0.5. Yeah. Half a second. Shoot pass or or you know shoot it or or remove it now look you don't want to completely take that away because Jalen does create shots Jason Tatum does create shots but a lot of times what's happened that is you know created problems for the Celtics is when Jalen Brown tries to drive and he's not he doesn't have a good ball he doesn't have a good handle the heat just totally took the ball away from him and when he gets into traffic he tends to make mistakes you, you want him
2: to attack when he has an opportunity to have straight line drives. You don't want him to, quote, unquote, get in his bag. 100%. Tatum's different. Tatum Tatum is one of the best ISO players in the league. Tatum is a guy who can go off a dribble and take and make tough shots and and, and create stuff not just for himself but for other people. But, but Brown is a catch-and-shoot, attack-close-out uh, type of guy now. Straight line driving, he is one of the most explosive finishers in the league. Like, if you want to talk about a highlight reel of dunking off the drive, he's got one of the best in the league. But again, you don't want him shaking and baking and going behind the back between the legs and all that kind of stuff. Because
1: typically, what's going to happen, they'll do all that and then it's going the other way. Well, and we talked about it after game one, right? When those guys are moving the ball and the Celtics, you know, we're had a ton of assists. When Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are moving the ball, the Celtics are really, really hard to beat. When those guys are in ISO mode and, you know, Tatum has gotten better in ISO mode. He's still not as good as his reputation precedes him when you look at the numbers. And again, when they are holding the ball and it's those two guys against the defense, the Celtics aren't as good. And you look at the first half of that game in game two, those guys are really good. And the Celtics were hanging around in the game because they were really good. Nobody else on the team was making a shot. And when Boston's playing like that, they're much more beatable. And as we saw, in the, as that game three played on, went on, the other guys didn't get going. Those guys weren't going to combine to score ninety I points. Mean, and then Marcus Smart the Warriors pulled away.
0: Marcus Smart had how many actual baskets in game two?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to double check Thanks. quick. I mean, he had very few. He, Derek White, and Al Horford all essentially did nothing in that game. Right.
0: Well, Horford and Smart did not. I don't even know if Horford Horford even attempted a three. He did um, not. And I think Marcus Smart was 0 of 3, and I'm trying to think. Pulling it up here real remember. quick.
1: Marcus Smart was 1 for 6 and 0 for 3 from 3. <laughs> right. Derek White was 4 for 13 and 2 for 4 from 3, um, though at least he was aggressive. They do need him to stay a aggressive. And now Horford was 1 for 4 from the field and didn't take a 3 in 28 minutes.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking at Smart and Horford, who now the Warriors changed up their defensive strategy they put Clay Thompson on Horford and uh, told him to stay attached more, mm-hmm. and they put uh, Draymond Green uh, on Jalen Brown. Although, when you go back and watch, there was a lot of cross matching and a lot of switching. There, it was a good idea, and I do think it helped. But there was, you know, it was there was a a lot of different defenders doing a lot of different things. But Draymond definitely was trying to get up into. Um, um, into Jalen and try to disrupt his handle and clay and his head was, and clay was definitely um was definitely trying to use his athleticism to bother Horford because while Horford, Horford is so very good. Um, and this is a very, I feel like this is a very simple thing, but when Horford catches the the uh, an, an outlet or a a, a pass a, into his shooting motion, he keeps the ball very high. He catches it and squares and shoots by keeping the ball high. For a guy who doesn't have like a Clay Thompson release, he gets the shot off very quickly. Um, and for a guy who didn't come up into the league as a shooter, um, so he doesn't need that much space to get the shot off. So the the um, the idea is to just not give him, you know, any room to even receive the pass, which is what clay did. Um, but you're right. Bontemps, the ball has to, has to move. And, um, I think that, that that's, I mean, it's, it's more complicated than just pass the ball, but in some cases, it's just as simple as that. If you're well, not going to force it, if you're not going to force the ball in there and you just decide to pass, you get a better shot? You're going to turn it over less. You're going to get better shots.
1: Well, and it's like McBann said, they really get in trouble. And you saw it in game two. Jalen Brown hit his first couple shots. And then it was put my head down. I'm going to the rim. I'm going to score. I'm going to score and I'm going to score. And instead, he kept getting into tight windows. He was getting double teamed. He was chucking up ugly shots. I think he missed, I want to say he went like one for eleven. I think he started the game four for six in the first quarter and he finished the game five, five for maybe. He, I think he was I think he was four for six in the first quarter. He finished the game five for seventeen. So he went one for, but I think 11. he wants, I
0: think he started four and four or five.
1: Yeah. Either way. So. I mean, it's, it's not it, he and he, and a lot of it was just ugly drives into nowhere and fling the ball up in the air. And it, like they, you know, those two guys just have to play within the team structure and get other guys involved and move it around and not fall into that false sense of we're going to win the game. Cause when they try to win the game, they're not good. And look, the other thing too, here is Steph Curry has been the best player in this series by a significant amount through two games, he's back to being the Steph Curry from the first couple months of the season. And if he keeps being the best player in this series by a significant amount, a lot of the stuff we were talking about going into game two about where the series was at starts to go back in the other direction. Because even the Celtics team, if he keeps playing like this, is not going to be able to guard him. So that that to me is a real interesting thing in game three. Can Steph keep hitting these pull-up threes like he has been and keep playing like this? Because if he's going to outplay Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like this, Warriors are going to be in business.
0: I don't even think Steph's played great yet. I think he had a great first quarter in game one Mm -hmm. and he had a good, I said this on the pod the other day. He had a good to very good game two. He hasn't been great yet. And the Celtics better hope he's not great because Uh, if he is great, he'll, he'll win them the game.
1: I would disagree with that. I think he, I thought he was awesome in game two. I mean, he, his stat line doesn't come.
2: He was five
0: of 12 from three. I mean, yeah, is that as good?
2: No, awesome, awesome. Steph is nine of twelve. Like when 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 when, when Wendy says he hasn't played great yet, you you are evaluate him on his standards. Yeah, but we're saying he hasn't played great as a guy who is a you know two time MVP. That's correct. But I I think time greatest shooter. Like he has not played great by that. I've seen Steph have 33 points in a second half to close out yes. a team on was, the road. He has not, there. That is a great <laughs> Steph playoff performance. We have not seen that in this series yet.
1: What I would say is that he has completely scrambled Boston's defense. Absolutely. And that I think you're very much underselling what he's done to their defense at the, uh, in terms of just their inability to contain him. He's getting wherever he wants on the court and he is messing up their like they can't but play Grant I Williams. I think
0: I think they can survive the performance well, that he has just been si- to.
1: I'm just saying Grant Williams has been played off the court in two games because Steph, okay. he's not been able to do anything with Steph. He was torching Al Horford last game. He had them totally messed up in a way they have not been, even against guys like Giannis and what Jimmy. What was the Butler final
0: score? Plans. What was the final score of game two? It was like
1: it was 107 88 because the Celtics had a Okay. Meaningless but, surge in the fourth quarter.
0: Okay. 107 points and 33 of them came off turnovers. Steph
2: has been I'll the take best that. player in the series, and he hasn't been great by his standards. Those can both be true. Sure. That's Agreed.
0: fine. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. just I'm just saying, Steph's getting a lot of love, and I'm not here to st- get in your way. I'm telling you there's more there.
2: And also, Wendy's and MVP you, vote right now is for Andre Iguodala.
0: <laughs> Iguodala's listed as questionable. I'm going to tell you right now, he's doubtful. One other yeah. thing I'm going to say, so we don't know who the referees are yet for Game Three. By the time this pod is out, it will be known. But I'm willing to bet that Scott Foster is going to be on the crew, and the reason I believe that is because they will want to they will want to have Scott Foster available to come back for a Game Six or Seven. And you really can't do that if you bring him his first game in Game Four. I mean, you can do yeah. anything you want, but it's a,
1: so I will. Usually, your game ed- se- gate your Game Three is usually the most of your top refs that haven't already done one of the first two games yes so i
0: su- i suspect that scott foster will be the crew chief for game three um I think maybe it's a i'm safe wrong bet i think it's a but safe bet. If it's not bet. scott foster it'll be mark davis okay and even either one did mark two
1: didn't mark do game one brian
0: did he okay maybe um i know zach zarba did game two i'm
1: gonna look that up while we're while we're talking right now okay. that's uh that's scott foster with three t's
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to say it, it really doesn't make a difference who the refs are because of what happened in game 2, but I'm going to I'm going to make an educated guess that Scott Foster is coming out with that whistle for game 3. And we are going to be in Boston and from the moment that Draymond does anything, the crowd's going to be on him. So I I can't predict what will happen, but I would watch how Scott Foster elects to try to control if it is indeed Scott Foster or the officials elects to try to control the trash talking and or demonstrative attitudes that were on the game. Because while I don't actually believe that Draymond's trash talk affected the outcome of game two, I think Draymond's aggressive play defensively affected the outcome
2: that was ah. a well. Draymond also showed up the refs because he he what he said was accurate. That once he gets a T, he's ref differently. He can get away with more. I mean, Mavericks fans were whining and crying about that in a couple of games in the previous series. Uh, you know, fans from every fan base the Warriors have ever played the playoffs have whined and cried about that and, and been on the money. But for Draymond to come out. And for the world to hear say that does show up the refs and the league. And so I'm interested to see if his, if those brutally honest and accurate comments might have might backfire on him, because let's be honest, when Draymond gets teed up, he takes it as, Hey, I can get away with whatever I want the rest of the game. And he could, he could, he could get teed up
0: 10 times a game. It's counterintuitive. But what what the world that Draymond lives in and Luca, I think, lives in this world, too. And by the way, oh, sure. Jason Tatum, I believe, had 13 technicals during the season, which is um, what's the threshold for the suspension? Isn't it 14, 16 or 17, 16, 16. 16. Okay. So Jason Tatum has been unless you get two, two of them too. rescinded
2: like uh, Luca has the last two years when he <laughs> had 17.
1: Tatum Tatum is different, though. Tatum just winds. And it's something that Ime is really yelled at him about a lot is to stop whining because he'll stop playing sort of like right. Luca. Mm-hmm. They'll stop playing and they'll whine. Draymond is doing it in a much different way because he's out there trying to influence things. Now I but also Draymond's assume- doing
2: all that with the refs and he's the 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 instigator, yeah. the agitator. He's trying to get in other guys' heads. Well and, but it's just you know, those guys
0: they get a quick first tee. Yeah,
2: and then he can do whatever but he wants. But they know they game. get a
0: slow second T, So it's it's counterintuitive. That yeah. The guy gets a lot of technicals, has more leeway, but it's true because the refs are quick to give the first one. Well, I also know, think this.
1: The go ahead,
2: big man. I was going to say the other thing is it's seven T's in the playoffs before you're suspended a game. And Draymond still got a little cushion, but he has four now.
0: He's very, oh, and very So reliable. if you're
2: looking at, at at a game six or seven, like you you know, you're not very far away from that being part of the uh at least his mind his mindset.
1: Yeah, and I, I also think that, that Draymond's play in game two has frankly been pretty wildly overstated. Like this idea that Draymond Green just completely discombobulated the Celtics and was like the dominant force on the court. Like, I'm sorry, he was fine in that game. He, he wasn't great. Now he played he with
0: him. He, he was good for Draymond. He was, in that he
1: was fine. He was fine.
0: He, he was not with, Steph Curry.
1: He played within himself and wasn't doing the completely ridiculous stuff. He was doing in game one when he was two for 12 and flinging the ball around and playing terribly. But he, he wasn't great in that game. And he, we were texting in the first quarter. He was completely out of control. I thought in a, so in a bad way for them. Like he, I know he's got to play with an edge, and especially at this point in his career, he's lost some of the stuff he had when he was truly at his peak in like 2015, 16, 17. But
0: like, you know, 2016, that game seven, he scored I think 32 points. He was incredible. He was incredible in that series. He hasn't had a 30 point game since.
1: Yeah, he
2: he just and and, and, I mean, he took one uh, three pointer the other night. I thought they're going to have to pause the
1: game and replace the (laughs) backboard. So it's just I I mean, I'm very curious to see. To your point,
0: it was the only shot he missed, though. McMahon, he was two or three.
1: Well, he was two for three, and the deal Which is a lot better open. than two or twelve. By the way, that's right. It's true, he's he's much better when he's taking three shots. But like he was out of control in that game, and I am to your point very curious to see after he kind of bragged about how that went, what it looks like in game three, especially because I agree, I feel pretty confident Scott Foster's doing this game. And we, as you were making the T sign for people who are listening, not just the T, the two finger T, the Scott Foster
0: special. That's uh, Joey Crawford is the first first guy I saw to do that. I don't know if he invented it, 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 but
1: that will be a very interesting game within the game in game three. Assuming Scott is the crew chief, as I certainly expect him to be, uh, how that is handled. Draymond still has the top rated basketball podcast in the world. So you guys keep (laughs) on
2: hating
0: wouldn't that that like if this was like um you know a different sport uh you know like can you imagine like having scott foster and draymond green like on a podcast it would it would be amazing
2: i would rather hear chris paul and scott foster on a podcast
0: no that would be bad that would be bad radio because that'd be like I don't me think...
2: and bond temps <laughs> chris
0: wouldn't talk to him draymond likes to talk
2: oh chris likes to talk mm. Just likes not,
1: talk. not in
2: the same. I think Draymond's better. Way. I think
0: Draymond's a better <laughs> content creator than Chris. <laughs> yeah, is, I would agree with that. Respect. I
1: mean, there's no arguing that Draymond's the best content creator in the the league by a country mile.
0: Hmm, I don't know about that, but it's. But I appreciate him who's doing better. It. Who's better at creating content? Than I him. don't know. I'm just. I mean, not
2: I, CJ
1: CJ McCollum as a company man, I 100 <laughs> believe that. <laughs> Look, CJ CJ is good, but. Draymond, Draymond is going to be the new Charles Barkley. It's just a matter of whenever the, the old Charles Barkley decides he's done, then Draymond will immediately just sit right down that chair and he'll be there as long as he wants to be.
0: ESPN's Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents The Greatest Mixtape Ever, the story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture defined the lives of players who starred in them And change the game itself forever Stream now on ESPN Plus And listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast A streetball mixtape Exploring the essence of streetball Through a collection of legendary stories Listen now on Spotify Or wherever you get your podcasts
3: Two guys drove to work Neither guy wore a seatbelt One guy got a ticket One guy didn't The same two guys drove home one guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless, now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less? The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So I think uh as we look as we look at this game, I, I I I reject the notion. I reject the following notions. One, that it's been a lopsided series in favor of the Warriors. I think it's been very close. Is that really a thing? I've heard it. That's weird. I, I mean two, one I re-
1: one one going back to Boston. Yeah, and two first halves have been, yeah, and the two first halves I'm have been close. That's so weird. I've heard
0: it. I've heard it. People are, for some reason, the people I've heard are ignoring the first half. Now, when he's heard him, you
2: know, it wasn't in his mentions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I reject the notion that Steph has played great yet. That's not a criticism of his play. It's just that he can can do better. The only thing, the only
1: one thing we didn't touch on that just real quick, I, I think the thing that's been interesting about him is basically all the threes he's taken are all like off the dribble, pull up threes. And like he's really
2: well, th-
0: bending this, this was to, gonna be my number three. Okay, yeah, number three and when he has
2: the hand going. You gotta shut up and let him go. <laughs> I, I do that's true. The Warriors, are need Clay,
0: the Warriors are gonna need Clay Thompson because one of the things that really happened in game two was, and I know that this it's not like this is a radical move, it was working. The Warriors kind of went away from their motion offense and ran a lot of pick and roll. Just mm-hmm. to take care of Steph. One, they like the pick and roll matchup. They the Celtics still, for various reasons, they they're just more comfortable dropping with the big man. They they just they're not meeting stuff up high enough.
2: Well, one and of those so, is
1: because Robert Williams can't really move that well
2: because of his knee. Well, and he, even, and even he's,
1: if he's even if he's yeah. healthy, that's not where he's going to be. He's going to be right. down by the rim. You know,
0: right. Mm-hmm. So that's actually one of the things the Celtics have been doing. They've been when they. When they have a feel about which pick might get set, they switch so that Robert Williams isn't in the pick and roll. But obviously the Warriors are smart. They often figure it out. But they but my point is they went away from their motion and went to straight pick and rolls because they really needed Steph to get it done. They really heavily relied on. it. It wasn't their share the ball offense. It was the let's totally get onto Steph's back. And so that is not going to, I don't, that's not the way they're designed. that's not the way they're designed.
2: The other thing that was very, maybe the only thing that was very interesting deep into the fourth quarter was clay Thompson was still on the court. And that was clearly Steve Kerr, you know, trying to, to, to let clay, get a little yes. rhythm and see the ball go through the hoop and it, you know, it didn't really happen. No. Um, but they were trying to, and it's crazy because the guy is the 77th best player in NBA history. <laughs> and you know, it was like, let's get clay a little confidence. And again, it's not, you know, it goes back to the whole clay watching YouTube and, mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. It clay this year, I feel like more so than before, uh, the unfortunate long injury absence I feel like Clay has really kind of has a tendency to force things and take bad shots when he doesn't have a go. And this is something that, you know, I think you've seen since he's come back, but you absolutely saw it in in game two. There was the one where Steph passes it up in in transition, and Clay took a contested 21-foot pull-up with like, you know, 20 or 20, I mean, very, very early in the shot clocks. It's just like, and he was, I don't remember what it is. One of something Kerr, at the time. Kerr
0: actually mentioned that today, McMahon. Kerr said he thought he forced some shots. Yeah. Well, and so.
1: and, and part of that, and part of the cross matching that they were doing and putting Clay on Al was to try to get Clay open shots. Like because if you have Clay coming down in transition, if you're having Clay guard Al at the one end, right? And then, there's a miss shot you're coming down the other end all of a sudden now Horfer's got to try to flare out to the three-point line and guard Clay Thompson moving around the perimeter in you know in a transition situation that's when he can maybe get some open shots and get going because yeah like look like you said McMahon it was certainly noteworthy that Clay was out there late in that game and I know Jordan Poole hit some shots sort of in garbage time in that game but in the competitive portions of this series Jordan Poole has not really been involved yet. Jordan Poole did kind
2: of put the finishing touch. I mean, not kind of. He absolutely put the finishing touches on that third quarter. He hit, 40 he hit, feet. He hit. I was going to say those, they, that. Yeah. The little crossover into into a 40 were, foot pull up that swishes they were will too, help the confidence. They were.
1: Yeah. That, that was, those are a big couple shots for him. They also, at that point, were already up by 27, right? So, like, that, but that was good for him. Like, he had a couple go in, but like, let's see in game three on the road for the first time in the NBA mm-hmm. Finals. Like, in the first halves of these games, Jordan Poole is been a non-factor when well, and his minutes close.
2: did go down and and that's the thing we talked about this really all series long for Jordan Poole to be on the floor he has to be really good offensively because
1: like he is by far their their worst defense player in the well, rotation. Well, and it was fascinating at this to your point McMahon we talked about going into game two they had to try to get Jordan Poole some space right they came out in the second quarter with that lineup with Nemanja elites at center it was, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was. It was him, Clay, Bielitsa, Otto Porter, and I think Wiggins. But it was five guys who could all shoot from the perimeter. And it was pretty much an all-offense lineup. And it was clearly Steve Kerr saying, all right, Steph's not going to be on the court for a few minutes here. We got to give Jordan a chance to do something. And he was not good. Like, it was a rough stretch for them. And clearly they're searching for the right kind of mix. But I do think against the Celtics team, that kind of lineup can work okay because Boston, you know, I, I, they can't really necessarily take advantage of it the way some other teams can. So, but I, but yeah, like he Jordan Poole's got to be better, and Clay's got to be better because really it's those three guys for Golden State. They're going to score whatever seventy percent of their points, and then like the other guys are going to hit some open threes here and there. But those three guys have to be clicking for them to play at their best offensively. And
2: Wiggins, it's, or I'm sorry, Looney will go six of six from the floor.
1: <laughs> he is or so or, good. or if he goes yeah. six of ten, then he'll have uh the, he'll rebound his four misses he's been so good we got and we got to talk about Gary Payton too him coming back into the series was a massive change in game two he got immediately up into guys on defense did all the stuff we talked about going into game two him playing instead of Iguodala was a big big difference and he mm-hmm. I think you should even get more minutes in game well, three
2: and and early on his first shot was transition they called Tatum for a phantom foul but he totally smoked the layup and then right after that, goes to the line, misses two free throws, and you're like, okay, uh, no wonder he wasn't shooting in front of the media. Then, like, not very soon after that, his next shot is right in front of the Boston bench, corner three. That thing went in, and it was like, okay. And then I got to you know, tell like, you,
0: Gary, after the game, was kind of like, oh yeah, I've been shooting great, no problem. There's no worries about that going in. And Kerr was like. Boy, we were glad to see that go in. We weren't, you know, like the truth was. Uh, I don't know where the truth is about their uh, their faith in him. Um, all right, so lot to watch for in Game Three. Um, but before we uh, wrap this up, th- some other stuff happened in the NBA, and it's been a good run, guys. It's been a good run. We're gonna have to unsuspend the Los Angeles Lakers discussion from this podcast because they did officially. We're talking it. beepers. We're talking Lakers because they did hire a coach and Darvin ham had his introductory press conference. And, um, you know, yeah, Hey, do you team- guys
2: remember when uh, Russ used to defend at a championship level? I don't think I had a league pass back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was at UCLA. Oh,
2: okay. oh man.
0: Well, when Darvin. So Russ, first off, came to the press conference. That is always relevant when a player comes to the press conference. Russ, uh, and I Austin was watching, Reeves, uh, old Winyan Gabriel. They're, they're a whole bench unit <laughs> came to the press conference. Stanley Johnson was there. Uh, you know when Winyan Gabriel comes to your press conference, he's blessing the hire. <laughs> I actually I actually like Wenyan. I always remember when he had to start for the, uh, for the Blazers in the uh, playoffs in the bubble. And... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Blazers were really banged up. Remember Dame went home and everything. They were playing the Lakers. And uh Wenyan went up to the referee and he's like, I'm starting, I'm starting. He was, he was so <laughs> excited. He had to tell somebody Um, anyway. uh, It's as if it wasn't already writing on the wall that for the time being that Russ is in the Lakers plans, the fact that Darvin that Russ came and that Darvin right in front of Russ standing in the room talked about, him and in the always in their plans. Um, obviously, I think they're still looking for a trap door to open. Um, and there will be maneuvers this offseason. There's going to be players, especially with big salaries, I think that are that might move around a little bit. But the Lakers have pivoted because there was a time where there was a faction of that organization which was like, We are we are done with Russell Westbrook, he, he can't come back. That's not the prevailing theory right now. The prevailing theory and, and Darwin made it clear and Palenka made it clear that Russ is going to be with them go, uh, going forward. And he even had, as McMahon said, he being Darwin, he even had like a, a whole pitch for how Russ's new, new, uh, role was going to be defense first. And he mentioned in sacrifice and sacrifice, which I'm not sure what that means. I hope it means coming off the bench. Mm, um, good,
2: good luck.
0: But the, 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 the stance, the, the posture that Westbrook had when, at the end of the season where he basically was like, it's not me, it's you to everybody in the organization, to hear that if you're Darvin Hamm and Rob Palenka and then assume that you're going to sell him on some altered role regardless of what he says, I don't well, buy it, Montemps.
1: Well, well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing for the past 12 years or so, Russell Westbrook has been in control of his situation. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook ain't in control anymore. Like here's the, this is, I, I think Darvin Ham, like Darvin Ham, I was on the M- NBA today, yesterday, and Dar- Malika interviewed Darvin right before and did a great job and asked him about Russ. And he said, when we talked, like you said, when we talked, I used the word sacrifice a lot. And I want him to defend like a cha- like McMahon said earlier when he joked, I don't want him to defend at a championship level. I think he said he wants to defend like a pit bull. Like he was he like, said, I want he him to, be said that he wanted him to get back to defending yes. at a championship level. Yeah. It was like, and it was like, all right, like, yes, that's the stuff that this guy needs to try to do at this point to be effective. And here's the deal if Russell Westbrook doesn't want to do that, if he doesn't want to do what Darvin Ham says he needs him to do, the Lakers can just send him home. He's on an expiring contract. This is not a thing where, you know, Washington trades for him and has to find a way to make it work because he's got two plus years left on his deal. Or the Lakers trade for him and he has two years left on his deal and they have to make it work. Or he gets traded to Houston and he's got three years left and he's got to make it work. This guy is on an expiring contract. His biggest value to the Lakers is that between now and next February's trade deadline, they can trade him for something else. That's what he's there to be. And in the meantime, if he wants to have a career, after this deal is done, he's got to find a way to be a useful NBA player. It's just that simple. Because right now, he's not a useful NBA player in any way, shape, or form. And so that, to me, is what Russell Westbrook has to decide. We've I've mentioned the Allen Iverson comparison so many times on the pod over the past year or two. Allen Iverson got to a point where it was like, hey, Allen, you could be a six-man and come off the bench and score. Allen took his ball and went home. Like, is Russ going to do that, or is he going to reinvent himself and find a way to use his athleticism to find other ways to be a useful player.
0: Well, here's not. the thing about the, everything that you're saying is right. But I, I question how long is the leash? Because last year they stuck with Westbrook and stuck with Westbrook and stuck with Westbrook. And no matter what you want to say about Frank Vogel, I don't know how Russ could have been mad at him because Frank, and I know that he, you know, a, a couple of times he benched him going down the stretch. And Russ complained and said his back was hurt from sitting on the bench, and so he skipped the game. Right, he stuck with Russ way longer than he had any any you know rational reason to. Other and then the front
2: office is breathing down his neck. I don't
0: off. know the the front office. I think gave him permission to bench him, and he Look, stuck I'm with eventually. him. I'm just saying.
1: I'm just saying. This is but a I mean, new
0: Montem. Seriously, I, I'm. Not, but so he what you're saying, I think, is right. You're you're making a very you know. Tactful, experienced view of it, but my question is, how long are you going to I wait? Think it's I think it's going Three to be months? short. Three games. I
2: think, can I can I tell you what I remember most about Jason Kidd's introductory press conference in Dallas? Him just going on and on about how Kristaps Porzingis is the perfect co-star for Luka Doncic. Blah 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 blah. Oh, the unicorn. This that and the other. In other words, like could. Darvin Ham be blowing smoke up everybody's
1: posterior. Well, I know, oh, but the, you try to make I didn't, him work with Russ, and then you pull right. the cord. When you know, that's the thing. I didn't take it as Darvin blowing smoke. Like to me, Darvin Ham laid out how Russell Westbrook can be a useful player for the Lakers, and it's like, okay, here's your choice, Russ. You can find a way to have a role in this team, or you're not going to have a role in this team. Because Darvin Ham has played in the league. We all, I don't know. I know Darvin a little bit. I assume you guys have been around him a little bit. He is a no nonsense guy. And he reminds me of some of Ime, who came in here and was right from the beginning very direct with everybody on this team, publicly and privately.
0: Had no problem. His resume is very similar, both as a player and as an assistant. And as a side, and Lu- as the
1: size of a human being, as he is
0: too. <laughs> they are both big guys. To, both to Ty Lu and Ime Udoka. Ty Lu and Ime Udoka's. Resumes—they're—they're they're a little bit different type of people, but their resumes are very similar. And Darwin's resume is very similar to that. They are—they they are attempting to replicate the success that Ty and E had, although with a guy who's you know slightly different in his makeup. But Bontemp—I'm just saying, like that—they sh- should have pulled the the, the 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 leash on. They should have pulled the plug on Russell, like. It, just was, last
1: it was just always different though, because he had this money left on his deal. Yeah. And now, now Russell Westbrook is an expiring contract who happens to be on the Lakers until February 10th or whatever the trade deadline is. So and, that, and so that that's the difference. Now it's up to Russ to prove he can get on the court because they can just send him home and wait and see if they can use his, his contract. And if they can't, then they could just cut him. Yeah. And, and they've clearly made the decision that, Hey, <sighs>
2: We are not going to mortgage the future trying to turn this 11 seed into a championship team. In other words, they're not going to give up, I don't even remember what year, what is it, 2027? I think, seven I think and
1: 27 and 29. They can
2: yeah, trade they're, not, they're not giving up an unprotected pick, a lightly protected pick, just to
1: get off of the contract.
2: I
0: mean, they, there's a hundred different things they could do. They could give a pick swap. There's all kinds of... Maneuvers. By the way, well, they, I
1: think that's the right move too. Like not doing that right now. I, I, think, I think it great. is as well. I think that's one hundred percent the right way to go. Well, it's I,
0: it's I, it's not if what you're getting is John Wall. With all due respect,
1: no, right. no, no. I'm saying. No, I mean, I, are you getting is, Kyrie Irving? That's a different discussion. I'm saying. I'm saying not trading him to just get rid of like using him not with the salary dumping. First, him. Yes, I'm saying not salary dumping him is the right move right now. They agree. This team is not anywhere close enough to being a contender. And they can't turn Westbrook any into any kind of piece or pieces that are going to get them there. They have too many now, holes. The West I is too deep.
2: I am curious, and and maybe this is something that plays out in the summer, more likely leading up to the trade deadline. Is there another team that is oh, okay? We've got tax luxury tax coming. Boy, you know these are decent NBA players, but they're overpaid. Is is there a situation where? you know, it, it's two, three players that are useful but overpaid players with, you know, two years, three years left on their deal that, you know, you add those to the Lakers and suddenly things are a, a bloated payroll but but looking a lot more competitive. Is there something like that that could materialize? Well, that's
0: what I've been saying. I've been saying you trade Russ for any three breathing players.
1: You mean like the three guys that they traded to Washington for him?
0: Well i'm not even that good but but that's also easier
2: said than done when you don't have to pay the luxury tax if those guys are all making there's some some, the next three years
0: right there's some smart strategy for the lakers to keep their books clean because they're the lakers and they can potentially always get free agents and that um that you know that's maybe not you know to look to the next generation may not be the worst move of all time and try to play it out with what you got now it's it's they have a different calculus than most of the teams in the league well
1: and it's just it's Uh, also just look at the teams in the west like it's hard to it's hard to look at them and see mm -hmm. any move they can realistically make that's going to get them out of the play-in tournament so like Mm -hmm. what what are you trying to what are you trying to accomplish then here? Then you're you're throwing good money after bad at this point. Well,
0: remember, there's a big thing that still exists on the Laker plate. And that is, I believe it's August 4th, when LeBron can sign his extension. He can sign for two years and around hundred million. That decision is multifaceted, both on the Lakers side, which I, I believe they're going to offer it, and LeBron's side. And if you emerge from this offseason, basically with the same three guys and a bunch more minimum players. I'm not sure LeBron is super duper excited to at this point commit. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing, but you know, and if LeBron doesn't commit now, what do you do there? The LeBron component with that extension is the thing, you know, he's going to, he's going to give a referendum on the Lakers summer in August. And by the way, he, if it's offered, he might just sign it because he loves living in LA and
1: well, look, he showed up in LA. He showed up in LA for the first time in his career, not looking at the best basketball situation he could look at. So
0: true. But he always believed that the Lakers would be able to build a good team. They weren't there. He was, he was, uh, he was betting on the come. You know, I like that uh, phrase from craps. He was betting on the come and it, and it may not have happened. But he had reason to believe that the Lakers could build. If he had gone to the Cavs in 2014 and they didn't have Kyrie Irving and they didn't have Kevin Love and they didn't have all these draft picks, it was different than when he went to the Lakers, where they had no talent. The Lakers had talent, young players, cap oh, space, that's,
1: and picks. I'm agree,
2: I'm yeah, agreeing. With they didn't you. have that's the rock what, and roll museum.
0: <laughs> well, and, I, and
1: I'm agreeing with you. That's that's what I'm saying, right? Like that. Like who knows what is thought process is going to be, I'm but just saying that,
0: we'll you know, see. when it comes time to sign this contract, the Lakers are not going to have picks. They're not going to have young talent. They're not going to have gap space. And he's five years older. Austin so Reeves. <laughs> right. Um, any, any, talk, any
2: Nets topics we want to hit while we're, uh, while we're violating policies.
0: At some point, we're going to have Kyrie Irving news on his option. Uh, that'll be, after there's, the there, there's a drama going on. We're not going to do that, but, but, um, uh, I want to talk about the jazz before I go out, but not before I acknowledge every year, Pat Riley to season ending press conference is spectacular. Pat Riley's press conference was going on at the same time. as like the Lakers and, and jazz yeah. on Monday. Riley said a lot of things. We don't really need to get into it, but I just think we need to acknowledge this quote on the podcast. And it's not the, the push-ups. People talking about the push-ups.
2: I want, I want the Pat Riley push-ups challenge to to go into effect.
0: I I know you want that because you're a push-up guy. You do 100 push-ups a day. We get it. You're a 100. Whatever. Um, my favorite Pat Riley quote from this year's press conference was when somebody asked him if he was comfortable running the same team back next year. Did you the see the podcast,
1: man? Brian? It's a Disney podcast. I'm
0: quoting Pat
1: Riley. It's a Disney podcast. I'm just telling you. You're saying it.
0: When asked about running it back with the current team, Pat Riley said, quote, I run it back with my wife every week. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair via convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't even have to leave your home 24-7 care and support keeps has a network of expert medical advisors prescribers and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality and low cost treatments start at just ten dollars per month and keeps offers generic versions of two fda approved medications to prevent hair loss treatment plans are affordable typically half the cost of pharmacy prices keeps has everything your hair needs delivers straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results remember prevention is key Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash hoop to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash hoop to get your first month for free. Keeps.com slash hoop. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. I'll tell me this man isn't a legend. I mean, it's, it's commitment,
2: baby. He I, is thought you were talk about, I thought you were going to talk about when he was asked about uh, Tyler Hero's comments about wanting to be a starter. And when he said, I think we're seeing this in the league. If you want to win a championship and you want to be a
1: starter, you really have to become a two-way player today. He also said Kyle Lowry needs to get in shape, and that quote will be addressed. So, as usual, Pat didn't
2: hold wh- back. Wh-
0: that way, are any of those statements untrue? No, well, not if at you all. Need to be you a two-way, back.
2: If you need to be a two-way player to uh, to be a starter and win a championship, does that mean we need to remove the heat from all Donovan Mitchell trade discussions? No. Oh, okay. The I'm heat, just wondering. The
0: Heat. Uh, the Heat have some assets. They have oh, a couple I'm, I'm of saying star
1: Brian, to, Brian, that, players. You missed that the one, went, or, that oh. one went right over Brian's head. I'm sorry. Right I'm over. getting texts Whoosh. about
0: my sports center hit in a few minutes. Oh, sorry. Whoa. whoa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry,
1: sorry. Real, what really happened there, McMahon, was Brian, the, there was incoming. You brought incoming on Tyler Hero, Brian's boy, mm-hmm. and he didn't like it. So he had to try to pivot fast. So I am really a
0: realist. Happened. I am a realist. You, I know exactly who Tyler Hero is. Uh, that's you know, he's oh, the sixth man of the year. That's listen,
1: the year. Tyler Hero's extension discussions are going to be fascinating, true, just like Gordon Jordan Poole's. They're yep. both Jordan they're...
0: Poole, Tyler Hero, and Anthony Simons. If Anthony Simons is getting the max or close to it, because that's what it looks like Portland's lined up to do, good luck max? trying to get you or close to it.
1: I would be I, would, I will I will continue to say what I've said about all three of those guys. I'd be hesitant to pay any of them big money for the same for you the don't, exact reason that Riley def, said. Define
2: define big money. Jaden Brunson's going to get between 20 and 25 a year. You you mean bigger than that?
0: Are you watching what Portland is doing for Anthony Simons? They've I, cleared out the entire books and the entire floor for him to sign to a contract. If, if those guys you have think,
1: numbers that start in the 2s, no question I'm, that. Well, I'm just, okay. I'm not saying they're not going to get it. I'm saying if I'm, if I'm in the if I'm sitting there and I have to decide, do I want to pay any of those guys in the twos? I'm thinking long yeah, and hard in about the twenties per that's, that's a lot of money for guys that I think are all suited to come off the bench. They'll, they'll all get that kind of money. No, I'm not. I'm not saying they're not going to get paid. They're going to yeah. get paid. The question is, do I want to be the one paying them? Right. That's where well, e. Simons that's may question. not
0: get the max, but if, if you're his agent and you've watched everything that Portland has done to create space for him, you know, dumping Norm Powell and all that stuff.
1: I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good those three guys, negotiation. those mm-hmm. three guys are all going to be very interesting to me because again, like I'm with Pat Riley. If you're paying a guy, big money, we've seen it in these playoffs. You've got to be able to play at both ends of the court to play at the highest level. if you're trying to be, you know, and especially with Miami and Golden State, we're talking about conference finals, finals, maybe the NBA champion, right? Like you're talking about teams playing at the absolute highest level. So it's a little maybe different thing you could argue with Portland. Simon's just super young. That team's sort of rebuilding. We'll see what happens with Dame. Maybe you could say he's got big leaps to come. I would be nervous to pay him too. But like, if you're trying to contend and you're paying a guy that's a six man, $25 million a year, I just think it's going to be hard to build a team out the way you want. So we'll see. Very interesting.
0: Uh, Before we go, McMahon was on Zach Lowe's podcast. that came out Monday. He talked a lot about the Utah thing. If you want to hear from there, it's just, I would just say that there's been a lot of pushback to the concept that there was ever a problem in Utah. Uh, We talked about the problems in Utah all year long. Yeah. And within a year, the very successful team president is gone. The very successful coach is gone. He, both of them, well, De, what was, did Dennis ask for it? Or was he, was Dennis Lindsay, the team president? He was, he was
2: no, I, I don't necessarily think that Dennis was disappointed to be demoted to an advisory role, but he was demoted to an advisory role.
0: Okay. So the team president, is who was very successful, built a 60-win team, go, or how many, many wins they had. They were 60-win pace. I don't know if they won 60 games. Yeah. Coach, how often do we see coaches resign, guys? Uh,
2: successful coach successful coaches. Successful coaches. You know, to, on teams that I cover, apparently fairly often because it's happened with... <laughs> Like Dan Toney, Rick Carlisle. <laughs> when but Rick Snyder, Carlisle just
1: the, the, Rick, the, the one common Car- denominator is they don't want to deal with this guy anymore. Just give me away from McMahon, please. Give me as far away no,
2: as possible. Rick, last- Rick was actually a case of like, well, and Rick was, he was resigning before he got fired the yeah. next season. Yeah. Uh, Dan Tony was, you know, Dan
0: Tony's contract. Was, was that, yeah.
2: And he decided that he didn't want to go through the process of figuring out whether they wanted him back. So, but as far as like, a, this is unique in terms of successful coach. There was no question the franchise not only wanted him back, but I mean, Danny Ainge used the word desperately wanted him back, um, presented, hey, come back on your current contract, or you sign this fat extension. We could talk, like, let's figure it out. And, and Quinn essentially just came to the conclusion of, hey, it's time for me to go uh, for myself, for the franchise, like, It's it's it's, it was a great run and it's
1: over. The unique thing there is walking away from the money. Like you just don't see even, especially in a good situation.
2: Did he walk away from the
0: money?
1: I don't know if he's being paid this year or not. I don't.
2: I don't know. What I do know is because he resigned with a guaranteed year left on his contract, that the Jazz do have the right to block him if another opportunity comes this season. Now, whether they would exercise that right or not, I don't know. Whether there'd be discussions about compensation, and well, at this Danny point, there's not that in the press conference. At this point, Danny
0: Danny Ainge in the press conference said he's a very good coach. I expect him to have another job, maybe next season.
2: Yeah, and and so there was never any clarification on that. I think I'm not sure. I think he meant next
1: season being 23, 24. That's my that's but I believe it was. There wasn't clarification. Let's all let me also remind let me also remind everyone that on this pod almost a year ago, exactly today, I reminded everyone that when Danny H. had his press conference where he stepped away from the Celtics, (laughs) he never used the word retirement. And he went out of his way to say I'm not retired. Yeah, but
0: the other people at that press conference did.
1: Well, other (laughs) other people said lots of things. He though did not. Mm -hmm. And And within a year, he was in Utah where people had yeah, but he said he I ne- he
0: he was like no I I need to take a step back. I mean, right? He didn't use the word I'm just, retire. I'm just but... saying. Well, was, he did it's take a, a step very, back.
1: It, he did. It's a it's a very similar. He made a very similar decision to the decision that Quinn Snyder made, and he was back by the end of the next season. Now, my guess right. is Quinn Snyder is going to be back after next season with his yeah. pick a job, but if something comes up in January, February, March, as you've pointed out before maybe it becomes a negotiation who knows or or july or
0: august
2: depending well, on at that
0: point then it's no. a
2: legend might make a decision oh you mean no, this i'm july talking about august. yeah right,
1: right, right yeah right
0: well yeah. i'm just saying it ain't trending great in utah and there was a big pushback to anybody who said that things weren't trending great right oh, yeah. um, i mean listen but
2: Fans are going to be protective of their franchise, especially in small markets. That's just, I
1: mean, that's the way it is.
2: Now, it wasn't and just
0: fans. I don't care what the fans say. Oh, yeah. It no,
2: there's that. Uh,
0: well, yes. there, well, was, there was that.
1: We've, we've, yeah. said, we've said this so many times about the Jazz over the past season. That loss to the Clippers is the kind of loss you don't come back from. And the second they lost that series, the timer started. And it's just a matter of when the timer hits zero. It's not, maybe it'll be another year, maybe it'll be two, whatever. But like, they were slowly moving towards the end of the era. And this was a big step toward it. But they just, well, that, that was a loss you're just not coming back from. Well, and the Jazz also apparently made
2: a point to put the word out to other teams at the comment. Oh, we're not, we're not looking to trade our,
3: our cornerstone.
2: So, and it's like, thou do the protest too much. I would be surprised if Gobert is back in Utah. Uh, at the start of the season, and then like we've talked about a million times, Donovan Mitchell, who apparently was the only person in the world surprised by Quinn Snyder's decision. Um, at some point, Donovan is going to put the pressure on the franchise to to move him. I don't know exactly well, when that will be, but
0: one thing, I think it's he, he, here's the here's the harbinger. In my view, one of the biggest moves that ended up happening last season was Al Horford getting traded to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. It was a move by a contending player to get a high-level, experienced, veteran role player. Um, similar type move that you know Iguodala was younger, but you know when the Warriors went and got Iguodala. Yeah. Um, well, when the, the Celtics. Pacers, to be
1: to be fair, it, the only difference I would say there is the Celtics did that move to also save a lot of money.
0: I agree, but true. But they were getting a they were getting they were they, they were, were getting going a guy after they f- hoped
1: was going to be good. Yes.
0: Of, they were going after a veteran role player to be a key piece on a contender. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can go on and on, but I've seen this move repeatedly. Um, Mike Conley is the type of player that if I was a competitive team, that he could be like the guy that I want to bring in. And hey, so,
2: Bogdanovich could really help a contender. And he, and yeah, but I guy, mean, Conley is like, yeah,
0: Al Horford is leading the huddles on this Celtics team. Like Iguodala was leading the huddles on the well, Warriors. I,
1: I would then. say to McMahon's point, if I'm picking between, I mean, Mike's great, but if I'm picking between Mike and Boyan in today's league, like okay. Boyan Bogdanovich is a, a big wing. Like
2: everybody's We're not talking about wings. the skill
0: set. Just hold on a second.
1: You're
2: talking about the mentality.
0: If the Jazz, because I'm telling you the phone will ring on Mike Conley. If the Jazz trade Mike Conley this offseason, we're gonna know where they're at. To me, he's the bellwether, because there's there's a dozen different trades you can make with with Bogdanovich that makes sense for the Jazz and other teams. Of course, yeah. as a as a player, Bogdanovich. But if if you trade one of the 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 heartbeats of the team in Conley, and by the way, they might not. They may they may indeed run it back. They may think wow. Pat Riley may have something. They have something. They've
2: run it back for several years now.
0: Okay, I'm just saying. watch what happens with Mike Conley. Because that, to me, is a big decision. He makes significant money. The Jazz have a big payroll. That is going to be one to watch to me. Um, And it's not akin to Horford because Horford, the, the Thunder, were looking to trade him. It's not quite the same situation, but it's the same concept. And I know that if I was studying what the Celtics did, which was to get from a seventh or eighth place team to a championship contender, making a move like Horford was that type of move. And I'd be looking what's when I'd be sitting in our meetings right now, what's our Horford move? How can we as a team do a Horford, you know, it's not a perfect fit, but if I was Memphis, I would, you know, think about something like that, bringing Conley back kind of like with Horford, especially if they
2: lose Tyus Jones.
0: Right. So I'm just saying like that type of team, you know, yeah, the only thing, I, the I'm, only
1: thing I, the only thing I'd add is I think both of those guys fall into the same category, is what I would say. Like, think about Bogdanovich on Memphis. Like, just I, I'm, I'm just extending your analogy out further. Those two guys are both veteran players at positions of skill that have decent contracts. That you know, we're,
0: to, we're having two different conversations. No, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm talking think, about the Jazz completely re, re, reformatting where they are as an organization. You're talking about a player evaluation. Well, well also, I'm, not, no, saying, I'm jazz, not saying you're wrong. Think, I'm just well, saying.
2: Trade Conley and, and still, the, the Jazz have made it clear, and, and we'll see if they stick to this, that they are not trying to take a step back in terms of Okay, well, then
0: I guess they'll reject all Conley calls. No, well, no, but that, because I think Brian. there's a
2: way to do that and say, hey, Donovan, you are our starting point guard now, depending on if you can get back pieces of value or a piece of value. For Conley. Now, if you if you want to trade Conley, um, what you're gonna hope is that other team didn't have NBA TV during the first
1: round. Because Conley <laughs> had a
2: really rough series.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm agreeing with your point, Brian. I think but I, I think the way to frame it is isn't do the Jazz trade Mike Conley? It's do they trade Mike Conley for somebody that's helping them today or something that's helping them tomorrow? I think that's the way to look at it. And I think that's why I was saying Bogdanovich is mm-hmm. the same way. If like Memphis goes, hey, we'll give you a first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich because we need a big wing who can guard multiple places and score 20 points in a playoff game and the Jazz go hey Boyan's 32 or whatever we could get a first round pick for him we could start to re maneuver things around get our first rounder back right like that's <laughs> the kind of that's the kind of I'm saying like to me that's the kind of move to your point where if they make a move yeah. like that then it's like okay that's the direction they're going and if they turn Mike Conley into a, a better defending wing player like, okay, like yeah. the man said, then they're trying to find a way to make this work. So I, I think I'm not right sure. I'm not
0: sure. I'm not sure that's what Conley's market's going to be. No, I'm not saying it is either,
1: but it's like that. I think those moves, whatever they do with the roster, I think that's the way you look at it. Are they making moves for today or tomorrow? And if it's the latter, to your point, then it's like time to pull the ripcord.
0: Well, look, if you were Danny Ainge and you see what's happened and you're relatively new to the job and you haven't put your stamp on the franchise yet. And you have a chance to hire a coach, you probably are thinking about things you may do to the roster too.
1: Well, McMahon, would you with 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 Donovan and Rudy, would you trade them both now or not?
0: Yeah, I would I would trade them both. I, I would trade but, them both but, now too.
1: But
2: I'm not Ryan Smith, who's so proud of the state of Utah and has the all-star game in his backyard this season. I mean, it's right. Like it's what I would do and what I think they would do are two, two completely different things. I would Trade those guys with Donovan in particular with three guaranteed years left where you could open it up to all bidders and get max value. I would be making trades that are about picks, that are about young players. I would be trying to get the next French seven-footer. No, French seven-footer. Yes, right. Right? Oh, Victor and Pajama. yes. yes. I'll tell you what,
0: who's going to just go all in on the tank?
2: Uh, Oklahoma City and Houston. To, to, to I don't know. Two. Oklahoma
0: City has kind of sent a message that they're going to push the pedal a little bit. Well, we'll see.
2: We'll
1: see. We'll see. <laughs> but and uh, listen, I I was only asking because you're obviously around Utah all the time. I would do the same thing and and do that. Now again, who knows? It's not the first time we'd see a team look at the All Star game as the barometer. But again, this goes back to that Clippers loss. From that point forward, that's the end game. The end game is this thing is going to go kablooey. It's just a matter of when the Jazz ultimately decide it's the time to do it.
2: I think Donovan Mitchell would do the franchise a favor by really forcing the issue this, this summer. Um, I think that the Woj's report where Donovan is now unsettled and you know this, that, I think – I'm trying to be careful with my phrasing here. I think Quinn Snyder's decision to leave potentially gives Donovan – a reason to ask out without necessarily being quote unquote, the bad well, guy. It,
0: it also and gives I think that
2: would ultimately be very painful for the jazz and
1: absolutely in the best interests.
0: I don't, and I don't think we're there yet. I don't, I don't think either. Donovan's there yet. And I don't think the team. And, there
1: and you make a great point that if the all-star game was in Cleveland in 2023 and Utah in 2026, just to make numbers up right. for years, we might be having a different conversation, but that's not the world that we're living I,
0: in. I don't know. I think Ryan Smith became a billionaire for being smart. And I, I think, I don't think he'll be stupid.
2: There's been a lot of smart billionaires who didn't make the best decisions for their basketball <laughs> I guess teams. I that's
0: a fair point. It's a hard job. All right. Thank you, Listen to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you after uh, the game, uh, game three. Uh, Zach Lowe will be doing a low post hoop collective crossover. Zach Lowe will be at the game on Wednesday. We, this group will talk to you again on Friday.
2: Adios amigos.
3: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt.